Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We've been going through a series called Summer Baggage, and the series has to do with the, the things that we have to deal with in our everyday life that you know and I know probably aren't the best for us. I want to say that again. Summer baggage. It's the baggage that we carry around and the things that we know probably aren't the best for us. And a lot of us leave. When I was on the trip, I saw several of the um, several of the uh, uh, cars that were passing us and going down around the way. They had this big thing on top, and they had all their luggage in it. All right, and they were driving down the down the road. And there were some that were really huge, and some that were small. And I was thinking, man, I should have got one of those because <laughs> it'd have been a lot easier. I had more room in the car. But they were carrying them on top. Now here's the thing: when they get back home, when they get back home. Uh, it would be kind of weird if they kept that on there. And if they went to the grocery store and said, hey, I'm not going to put it in the car. I'm going to put it up there on top, right? Or when they went to visit somebody who was close by, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we got to get the casserole out of the top. All right, what do you do? You take that thing off because we don't want that in our everyday life. We don't. We don't need that in our everyday life. And so there's things in your life and my life that we literally need to rid ourselves of. The first thing I told you was, was that in order for you to do this, you have to have right priorities. Okay? I want you to hear that. You have to have right priorities. So if your priorities are out of whack, if you have priorities that do not line up with what God's priorities are, then it's worthless. It's worthless. You can try all you want, on and on and on, and you will continue to carry around this because, and here's the secret of the whole thing, because God is the one that can help you take that off. As a matter of fact, He wants that. He wants to take those things from you. And so from that point, we went and we began to talk about, I, talked, I did a message on laziness. I did a message on fakeness. Uh, over the 4th of July, if you watched it, it was a message on freedom and experiencing freedom. And we need to get out of some of the things that, that bind us. While I was gone, you heard a message about jealousy and envy. And also about getting out of your comfort zone. And so today, I want to talk to you about baggage that I think a large majority of people deal with. A large majority of people deal with this. And I think it's only getting worse And the baggage I want to talk to you about is your emotions. The baggage of self-control as it relates to your emotions. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Galatians chapter 5, and we know this verse like the back of our hand. But Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. We've heard this verse over and over and over. Some of us have this verse hanging uh, in in our our, uh, dining room, kitchen, whatever. But we know this verse. It says this. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And then here's what we do. We list out all those things and we forget about the last thing. 
and self-control. And it says there is no law against these. And so when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, here's what we say. Oh, it's love and joy and peace and gentleness and patience. But we forget about the fact that he also said that Holy Spirit working in you and working in me. And we're going to get to that a little later on. But Holy Spirit working in you and working in me will result in you and me having more self-control. I want to define self-control for you. I want to define it as it relates to your emotions. I'm going to put this up on the screen. Self-control is the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior. And it says physical and emotional self-mastery is what it is, particularly in situations of intense provocation and temptation. That's what it is. That is self-control, the ability to control oneself, particularly in your emotions, to be able to control yourself in your emotions. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible talks a lot about self-control. It does. It talks a lot about self-control in your emotions. Here's what Proverbs 25, 28 says. Let's read it. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls, a city with broken down walls. Let me explain to you what that means. Way back when, when when this was written, if your city did not, was not a walled city, any enemy could come and overtake you very easily because you had nothing to protect yourself with. And so any person could come in and a person without self-control is like a city, is like a, is like a city with broken down walls. What does that mean? It means that anyone, anyone can come in and get you upset. Anyone could come in and tick you off. Anyone can come in and overtake you because you have not learned the discipline of self-control. First Peter 4, 7 says this. It says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and, and in this it says discipline. In others it says, and be earnest and self-controlled in your prayers. Okay, be earnest. Know what you're praying for. Know what you're praying for. Here's what the next one says in 2 Peter 1, 5 and 6. It says, in the view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and more excellence with knowledge. And then knowledge with what? Self-control. And self-control with what? Patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. Proverbs 16.32 says it like this. It says, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. Y'all, there are literally hundreds of verses in the Bible that talk about self-control, especially as it relates to your emotions. So here's the question. Why is it so hard for people that are followers of Jesus to understand that they are called to have self-control, especially in the area of their emotions? Why is it so hard for you and I to have self-control in our emotions? And just in case you think that I'm the only one that that struggles with this, I've seen your Facebook post. You have told off on yourself. Why is it so hard? 
Well, here's one of the reasons why it's so hard. We have been told that how we feel is the most important thing in the world. We've been told that how we feel is the most important thing in the world. You know how I know this? Because if I turn on the TV, within five minutes, I'm going to find someone that's offended. I am. Someone's going to be offended. And if no one else is offended, then I'll get offended. Someone is going to be offended. Everyone thinks their feelings are more important than anything else. And here's what I want you to understand. We have bought in to the lie that if you feel it, it must be true. I want you to hear this. If you feel it, it must be true. That's a lie. That is, and I'm going to explain to you in a minute why that's a lie. But that's a lie. And so everyone in society today, and this is not something that's new. This has been going on forever and ever. Because the Bible talks about it even back then. Everyone thinks that because they have an emotion and because it's come upon them, that they have the ability to walk out that emotion and act any way they want to. But the scripture says this. The scripture says that Holy Spirit produces self-control. That means Holy Spirit produces self-control. So you, if you have Holy Spirit living within you, if you are a follower of Christ, then you have the ability to have self-control in the area of your emotions. I want you to know this, and this is my first point. Just because you have an emotion doesn't mean that you have to express it. I want you to hear that again. Just because you have an emotion doesn't mean you have to express it. 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 20, uh, verse 27 says this. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. I am literally disciplining my body. And I want you to understand this. Getting control of your emotions is a spiritual discipline. Having self-control is a discipline. If you, if you never address this issue, this issue will stay with you for your entire life. But just because you have an emotion doesn't mean that you have to express it. I want you to understand something. You are at war with an enemy and the enemy understands what it is that gets to you. As a matter of fact, I want to explain to you right now how, how this works. The enemy cannot, he cannot operate in the realm of truth. I want you to hear that. Because he's a liar. So he can't operate in the realm of truth. And so once truth enters in, he can no longer operate there. That's why, listen, I want you to hear this. That's why whenever he approached Jesus in the temptation, what did Jesus do? Quoted scripture. Truth. 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 Truth over and over again. Where does the enemy operate? In the realm of your emotions is where he operates. It's where he operates. What did he do with Jesus? 
What did he do? He went to his needs. Oh, listen, you can be so powerful. I'll give you all this. You can be so powerful. Oh, you're hungry? Oh, man, turn that rock into bread. Oh, man. And on and on and on and on and on. That's what he did. But you see, the enemy can't operate in truth. But here's what he wants to do with you and I. He doesn't want you and I to operate in truth. He wants you and I to operate in emotion. Because if he can get you and I to operate in emotion then he's got us. Because here's what emotion does. Emotion, and and a lot of this is connected to things that we've experienced in the past and we project on to other people what we've had happen to us in the past. And so what happens is that you get mad about something or someone says something to you and it makes you mad. And because it makes you mad, you think that you have the right to just stay angry because you're justified for some reason. When that person may not have meant anything by what they said, when you didn't go to clarify the what, the truth, you stayed over in emotion. But here's the thing. Just because you have an emotion doesn't mean you get to express it. Not as a follow. Oh, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, you can do whatever you want to do. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he calls us to a higher standard. And it's in self-control of our emotions. We are tempted by the enemy when we allow ourselves to flow into our emotions. That's what happens. Let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, Wendy and I were having a discussion. I think everybody knows what that means, a discussion. So so we're having a discussion, and, and... Finally, something hit me. I was like, and it wasn't a pan. I promise. <laughs> it wasn't a pan. <laughs> it wasn't a pan. But I, I was, uh, I was kind of ticked off, and I was like, oh, what she's saying is not right, blah, 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 blah. And then I, something hit me. And I, maybe it was Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe it was indigestion. I don't know what it was, but it was this. I felt so strongly that, that, that it had to be Holy Spirit said, your wife has never told you anything for your bad in the last 27 years. She's never told you anything that was for your bad. She's 100% for you. She's 100% there. She's never told you anything bad. So what she's saying to you is true. And then I thought, man, that means I'm wrong. Well, that stinks. Thanks a lot, Holy Spirit. So I went back in there and told her. I said, hey, look, if you say this, I'm going to trust you because you've never told me anything bad. You've never told me anything that's for my wrong. You never told me anything for my detriment. See, I was all in emotional over here, and the Holy Spirit drew me back into truth. That's what happens. That's what happens to us. Listen, I want to tell you guys something, and some of you guys need to hear this, and I don't want to step on your toes, but part of maturing as an adult means that you learn that every emotion you have doesn't have to be expressed. The mark of a mature adult, especially a mature follower of Jesus is, is that every emotion that you have doesn't need to be expressed. It doesn't. You know, we used to go to the store and um, you know how whenever you're, you're single, or you're married, but you don't have any kids. Um, the happy years is what we called it. But anyway, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <clears throat> I'm just joking. Nine, 16 days. Anyway, so, but, but listen, you know, you know, before you have kids, you go to the store 
and there's, there, you see kids and they're throwing themselves down and going, I want the candy bar, I want the candy bar. And you're walking by and you're thinking, I would bust that kid's tail. That is never happening to me. Until we had kids. And that's what kids do. Kids do not have the ability to control their emotions. You have to encourage them in various ways to control their emotions. And you've got to teach them they don't get everything they want. And just because they're angry doesn't mean they can throw the Kit Kat across Walmart and hit the greeter. All right? Not that that ever happened to us. It didn't. It wasn't a Kit Kat. It was a Reese's. But anyway, it wasn't. We didn't do that. So, but listen, you, you can't, you, why would we, as a matter of fact, think about this for a second. What if you were in Walmart? Okay? I may need to use Target because this can maybe happen in Walmart. Let's say you're in Target. All right? You're in Target. And there's a man, and you're walking by the sporting goods section, and a man is laying on the floor screaming and yelling, saying, I want the fishing pole! I want the fishing pole! What would you think? Besides he wants the fishing pole. You think, that guy's an idiot. That guy's mentally ill. There's something wrong with that guy. There is. There's something wrong with him. What's wrong with him? Well, he hadn't learned how to control his emotions, so he still acts like a three-year-old. Here's the truth of the matter, you guys. The truth of the matter is, is that some of us, in our emotions, we just allow whatever comes to us to go out. And that's not what God calls us to do. It's not. And I know you're physically not on the floor in Target, but you might as well be. Because you're not allowing God and his word and the truth to filter, and we're going to talk about that in a second, to filter what it is that you're feeling. And just because you have an emotion doesn't mean you have to feel it. And just because you have an emotion doesn't mean it's true. I want you to hear that. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't, as a matter of fact, most of the time it's not true. It's not true most of the time. I want to tell you this. When you express things out of emotion, you'll always regret it. I told you guys a story one time. Um, uh, Blake was playing football, and they had a huge team, and, you know, there was, there was a huge team, and, and we were really hoping he was going to get in the game, and he didn't get into the game. As a matter of fact, it was like 48-7, to 7, and the coach never put anyone in the game except for the, uh, except for the starting people. 48-7, they were, they were beating them really bad, and we thought, I thought, man, this is ridiculous. I mean, they need to get some players on the B team in here, and they need to, you know what I mean? They need to do that, and they never did it, and I was mad. And I pulled up, and I sat in the car and waited for Blake to come out. And, and I, I told Wendy, I said, let me tell you something. I said, when that coach comes out here, I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to. As Roy Davis would say, I'm going to treat him like a Pharisee. That's right. I'm going to let him have it. And I want to tell you guys, having a wife or a counselor for a wife is the pits. <laughs> it's awful. Because she said, you know, you can do that, but 15 minutes after you do that, you're going to feel bad. And she was right. So I didn't say anything. But I thought a lot of it, but I didn't say anything. Why? Well, because most of the things you say out of emotion, you're going to regret. You're going to regret. 
Now listen, I want you to understand something. This is my second point. God doesn't want you to be a robot. Okay? He doesn't want you to be some kind of Christian robot. He doesn't. He gave you your emotions. And a lot of times your emotions are a sign of something either really great or really not great. Okay? He gave you those emotions. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've ever understood this or not, but God was the creator of emotions. They are there for a purpose. And I'm not saying that all the time emotions are bad because they're not. But your emotions have to be aligned with what God's truth is. See, that's what happened when Jesus went into the temple and turned over the tables. He had a holy anger because of what was happening and people were being cheated in the temple. And he had a righteous anger. That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. You see, anger matched with God's word is something that is, will grow people. Anger, just on its own, can destroy people. Both you and the other party. But God doesn't want you to be some kind of Christian robot. Let me give you an example. We went to a church and there was a man that sang in the choir. And he was a nice man. I mean, he was a genuine, nice man. He would sing in the choir and he would do specials sometimes. And he was so, I just really looked up to him. I really did. And I was talking to his daughter one day and I said, man, you know, your dad is just such a, such a great person. And, and she rolled her eyes and I said, why'd you roll your eyes? She said, um, my dad's a tyrant at home. My dad is always angry. He's always yelling and screaming and going off and all this stuff. And it blew my mind. She said, yeah, the only time he's ever nice is at church because he don't want everybody else to know how he really is. See, we're not supposed to come into the building here and be Christian robots. We're not supposed to come in here and just say, yes, everything is fine and all is good. Where's the coffee and donuts? Praise Jesus. That's not who we're supposed to be. We're not. We're supposed to be genuine. He doesn't want us to be a Christian robot. We're supposed to be genuine with our emotions. But here's the thing. Be genuine but make sure that you are accompanying that genuineness with your relationship with Christ. See, I'm convinced that if you will allow enough truth to come into your life, that a lot of the things that cause you to have emotions will start to dissipate and disappear. A lot of the things that make you mad will start to disappear. And it's funny because God will test you sometimes you, you decide, hey, look, I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. And 19 people will pull out in front of you. And no one will know how to go around a roundabout. That's just what happens. That's what happens immediately. But he doesn't want you to be a Christian robot. He wants you to be genuine because he needs a starting place for you. He wants to know who you really are. He needs a starting place for you so that then you can mature and you can grow. But we are called to have self-control in our emotions. We are. The next thing I want to tell you is this. Use the whatever approach. Now, when I put that up there, some of you guys are thinking, yes, I can get behind this. Because when someone ticks me off, I can say, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the whatever approach. 
Okay, that's not the whatever, the whatever approach. That's not it. That's not what I'm talking about. Philippians 4, 8, 9 says this. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And I love this. Think about this. Fix your thoughts on what is what? True. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting in. This is amazing. So think about this. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned, the truth. Keep putting those things into practice, things that you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then God, the God of peace, will be what? He will be with you whenever there's things on this side. Go back to verse 8. But it says, think on those things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. We have to learn to filter our thoughts through the word of God. You have to learn to filter your emotions through the word of God. You have to learn to filter those things that make you angry through the word of God. Just because you have an emotion doesn't mean that you have the right to express it. It may not be true. A lot of times it's not true. A lot of times the truth is something totally different. And so I would encourage you to seek truth instead of trying to seek some kind of justice or vengeance on your own. Yeah, you can get mad for a little bit. But let me ask you a question. How many times have you gotten really angry at something and right after you were like, man, I feel so much better. This is awesome. I love being ticked off, just walking around mad. You know? Woo, I want to be mad. And also, how about this? Have you ever had somebody that says, you know what? That guy, he's always ticked off at somebody. He's always mad. I want to be just like him. No. As a matter of fact, people that are always mad make us miserable. They do. And you know what they do? You can tell when they come in the room because you hear this. That's the life being sucked out of you from them. They make you miserable because they haven't learned to operate in the truth and they haven't learned to filter their emotions through God's word. The final thing I want to tell you is this, is that you were not left alone, that Jesus understands your struggle and he left us a helper. He left us someone that would help us. Here's what Hebrews 4, 5, 15 says. Okay, Hebrews 4.15 says, The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same testings that we do. Now, who's the high priest? The high priest is Jesus Christ. He understands all of the same things, and yet he did not sin. He did not sin. I've got to think that somewhere on the road... They were riding a donkey somewhere and another guy with a donkey came and cut him off. You know what I'm saying with Jesus? I got to think that. Like he understands everything, so he understands. He understands. So we have a high priest that can really relate to what it is that we're going through. When you are very emotional, he understands. He's been there and done that. Here's what John 14 says. John 14 verses 15 through 17. If you, if you love me, obey my Commandments. And then here's the great part. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? Advocate who will never leave you. And then it says this. He is, 
Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He's the Holy Spirit. God didn't just say, hey, good luck, guys. I'll see you. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll see you when I get back. God bless. See you. He didn't do that. He left us an advocate, someone that could literally take the word of God and take all the things that we deal with and run that filter through and change and grow us into spiritual beings that literally reflect who God is on earth. And that's who we want to be. Jesus understands our struggle. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 13 says this. It says, the temp- uh, verse 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different than what other ex- people experience. And God is faithful, and I want you to hear this. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So I want you to hear this. Hear this very clearly. This verse is quoted wrong all the time. God won't put something on me that I can't handle. Yes, he will. And he does that so that you can go to him. There's things in your life that you can't handle that God can handle. And that's why you need God in your life. So if anybody tells you God won't put more on me than I can handle, that's a lie. That's a, that's a lie. He, he, that, it's totally wrong. This is, this is the, the way you read this verse. And God is faithful, okay? He will not allow the temptation, the temptation, the temptation to want to throw somebody under, under a bus when you get mad at them, the temptation to gossip, the temptation to want to scream and yell and do crazy things, the temptation over here in your emotions, the temptation to allow your emotions to run things, the temptation... He won't allow you to be tempted past what you can stand. And here's the great part. And when you are tempted, and this is a promise from God, by the way, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. What does that mean? It means that if you are angry with someone and you are in the midst of that anger and you're in the midst of those emotions and they're all flaring up, boom, you can say, God, I need a way out of this. And then you start looking for the way out. And the Bible says that God will show you a way out. And I've been in these situations and he showed a way out every single time. Now you have to have spiritual eyes to see the way out. But can I tell you how many times I've gotten to the point where I wanted to go off and one of you guys called. And I'm like, man, I'm so angry. Pastor Barry, can I help you? And then you had a need or you needed prayer or you had a question. And what it did, it kind of smacked me back into reality. Like, wait a minute. That's all a lie. This is who I really am. This is who God wants me to be. He found a, gave me a way out. I have a rule. I have a rule. I have a 72-hour rule. My 72-hour rule is this. If something upsets me, I usually try to wait 72 hours before I talk to the other person. If one of you guys make me mad, I usually try to wait 72 hours before I talk to you. If someone frustrates me, I try to wait 72 hours. You know why? Because most of the time, after the 72 hours are up, I forgot I'm mad. I don't have no idea what I was mad about. And life has moved on to the next thing. And I could have went and I could have made my point and I could have made sure everybody knew what this and what that. But here's the truth of the matter. When I gave my life over to Christ, I died to myself. And my whole goal now is to reflect who he is. And so I have a 72-hour rule. 
And sometimes after 72 hours, I'm like, I really still need to address this. And I would go, but guess what? When I went to address it, I wasn't all up in my emotions. And I, wasn't, I didn't have the same level of anger. I thought more logically. I thought more straightforward. And I addressed it in a way that was appropriate. Have I always succeeded at that? No. Will you always succeed at that? No. But every time you do, man, it draws you just a little step closer to becoming that which God had in mind when he created you. And it's an amazing, amazing process. Listen, I'm going to close and tell you this. How we respond to people, how we respond to people, and how self-controlled we are in our emotions speaks volumes about where you are with God. It does. How you respond to other people speaks volumes about where you are with God. How you relate to other people when things are not going well speaks volumes to where you are with God. I want to encourage you to allow God to be God over all of your life, including your emotions, and drop those bags. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much, God, for who you are. Thank you so much that you gave us these emotions to express You gave us these emotions because it helps create our identity, our personality, who we are. But God, like anything else, once the enemy gets a hold of these emotions and takes things too far, takes a good thing too far, Lord, what often happens, God, and you know this, is that we end up going way past and slipping into sin and away from truth. And so, God, I ask you today that you would allow us to learn to filter our emotions Not through some kind of self-help book, not through Dr. Phil or Oprah, but Lord, through your word. Because that's where you operate. You operate in truth. The enemy operates in our emotions and our feelings. God, let us understand that we're not the center of the universe, but that you are the creator of all. And let us submit to your plan for our lives. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and have a final worship song today. The altar is always open. If you want to come down, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to just have a prayer time by yourself, I encourage you to do that. But let's stand and let's sing our final song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.